Hi everyone, I'm Rosanna and this is AFL Obsessed. How are you? Can you believe it's May already? So Andrew and I have moved into the new space, so we're currently swimming in and buried in boxes and bins. And the company that actually moved us into storage sadly folded during the pandemic, so we currently don't have a constructed bed because the new movers couldn't assemble what they didn't take apart. And it's more complicated than we thought. It's not like a typical metal bed frame. So that's been fun and a bit of a bummer because if you're like me, you just kind of want to sink into bed after a move. And we actually had the most efficient movers ever. I've never had movers be extra, extra early. (laughs) So it was crazy. And we kind of went down to sign off on the whole process of the paperwork at the end. And the moving truck actually had a parking ticket on the windshield. So that definitely happened. That's a little slice of NYC life for you. I feel like they're just kind of a little bit ruthless when it comes to things like that. And we also got our second shot over the weekend. So we're looking forward to business as usual going forward after a couple of weeks when we build up that immunity. And I know there's talk about potentially needing a COVID booster down the road, maybe needing it like a year following the vaccine. And it may actually be available in pill form or a nasal spray. So I mean, that's kind of exciting for me. I don't love needles, but I mean, I don't know anyone that loves them. Um, I actually told the person who was giving me the vaccine that I typically ask them just not to tell me that it's, you know, don't count like one, two, three, it's going in, then jab me. I just can't look at it, the process while it's happening, kind of even like when you're taking blood or whatever. And the person literally asked me, why don't you like needles? And I just was like, I I don't know how to answer this question, (laughs) but how are you guys handling everything? What have you been up to? And what have you been watching besides footy games? (laughs) My email is aflfootyobsessed at gmail.com and aflobsessed on Twitter if you want to chat. So let's get to it and dive into the opening overture of my overall thoughts on the week and where we're at now in NYC. So just three little things. If you haven't gotten the vaccine yet, they announced yesterday that baseball fans can get vaccinated on site at Yankee Stadium or City Field. And if you get the vaccine, they'll give you a free ticket to the Yankee or the Mets game. So Andrew was like, should we have waited? (laughs) But um, And there's a major shift in seating actually at both of those fields, which we'll see like new capacity limits. And then they're going to actually have separate sections for vaccinated spectators and those who have yet to be immunized. So I just wonder if designated sections are going to be happening more and more in places going forward. And two, on Friday, indoor dining will expand to 75% capacity. So I know it feels like New York is coming back and that kind of goes the same for like hair salons and barbershops and other personal care services. Um, If you're like me, I was looking forward to all three of those things coming back. And three, Broadway is reopening on September 14th. I'm incredibly excited about this. I know you guys know how much I love musical theater and they'll be resuming performances at full capacity then. You know, I based like my AFL playbill on on one of my other favorite things. So sales have actually started selling for the shows. I do think it's interesting 
that as we're kind of starting to open back up, like I've said, and kind of the city is roaring back to life, there's been some COVID cases in Australia. So there were three new cases in Western Australia, which affected Frio's home game this weekend that actually got moved. And there was a surprise case in Sydney, too. So a man who had no known links to the virus or quarantine and the hospital system, and he hadn't traveled recently overseas, he returned a positive test on Wednesday morning. And he had visited a bunch of different sites while potentially infectious, which actually affected one of the AFL teams. And then his spouse also tested positive. So there was some overlap with the Sydney coaches where they visited a cafe near the SCG and they had a bit of a scare because I think there was a window where they were there when the guest may have also been there. But luckily, no one associated with the team actually had a positive test. You know, I feel like people here are almost desensitized to the numbers and stats since we're all trying to get vaccinated and kind of thinking about the future. But whenever I hear about a single case in Australia, I kind of snap almost immediately into like a deja vu state like last year where I'm thinking about the implications on footy and the game and crowd attendance. So I'm honestly looking forward to the time when we just won't have to say or even think about that C word COVID or just capacity really. But now let's get to footy and on to Act 1 with AFL headlines and highlights. First of all, shout out to whoever's making or the team that's kind of creating the commercials weekly for the AFL. I feel like anyone who hasn't heard of or seen the games before, every week when I see one of the commercials, I'm instantly like all in all over again. And I feel like I fall back in love with elements of the game. But some of the biggest news of the week, four different things. One, there's been some major player deals with huge stars of the game. So Petraka signed a seven-year deal. So he is locked in until 2029. And Toby Green, another fave, who was already signed to the end of 2024, he extended his contract through 2026 when he will be 33. So I thought that was kind of an interesting signing. I don't know about you guys. I don't know if that deal absolutely happened to happen at the moment. I mean, they had time, I feel like, as a team to make a call. But, I mean, we love to see him play. And two, the AFLW will not be expanding in 2022. So I'm pretty disappointed I really look forward to the day when Bombers can cheer on an AFLW team. We do have the VFLW team, but I guess the competition is certain to kind of remain at the 14 teams for the upcoming season. And I know the league expanded really quickly from eight and then to 10 and then to 14 teams in just four seasons. So I think that they just kind of want to take a break and they're calling for a period, I guess, of like consolidation and a break from expansion. But I think that they're going to actually make that call later this season. And three, there's been some departures. So an umpire's coach and a clubless manager actually have resigned. Hayden Kennedy, the umpire's coach, said he will not be staying past round 10. And that's just shy of 500 AFL games. It's one of the toughest jobs and one that I honestly don't envy. Um, And 
Yeah, I think the senior umps have kind of raised concerns about how difficult and complex their like match day roles have become with all of the changes and interpretation to existing rules and all of the introduction to new ones. So, and there's also been kind of issues with the league's arc system, which I think we'll talk about more later. It's, I think, used as a tool to help with umpire coaching, especially, and there's kind of this intense analysis on them. So I don't think that made the decision any easier. But Collingwood list boss Ned Guy is also stepping down after, I think we can all agree, a disastrous trade period for the Pies. And they had kind of like an aggressive list overhaul due to sal cap issues, as you'll all remember. And I think we're still kind of feeling the repercussions now. And four, I feel like we always have some kind of president news, like I've said in the past this week. Um, but longtime president of the Geelong Football Club, Frank Costa, actually passed away. So we thank him for all of his contributions to the club and to the game. And sadly, I didn't know too much about him. He was a little bit before my time since I've been watching So if there's any contributions that he's made that you feel I should mention in a future episode, definitely send me your thoughts. AFL Obsessed on Twitter and AFL Footy Obsessed at Gmail. In the Richmond versus Bulldogs game, it was the Bulldogs' first loss. I think there were a ton of highlights from that game, but that definitely was a game that could have gone either way. And I think it was... Just an unexpected twist since the Bulldogs have kind of had such a great season, but it was a really great matchup. And in Swans versus Geelong, I know there was that unlikely call at the end where I think something should have been paid as a free kick. And I think Jezza kind of should have had his due. Um, And so the Swans ended up winning that game. And I know there was this huge backlash and the AFL has come out to apologize following that game for kind of again getting like a game time decision wrong and in the Melbourne versus North game Melbourne is the real deal guys I mean they're still undefeated I'm really looking forward to their clash this weekend but it was definitely also unexpected so North got in some early goals and they were also up at quarter time I don't know if you ever do the thing where you just kind of like look away when you have some things to do and you know there's a footy game ongoing. So I just kind of set my laptop and my phone down and I walked away just being like, wow, North is, you know, coming back. And then you come back and it's like a totally different trajectory and result. So that kind of happened with that game. And you know, I got to talk about my bombers. So my baby bombers against Carlton. That was an absolute roller coaster of a game. I definitely just was on the edge of my seat the entire time with our young guns kind of just the triple threat of Harry Jones, Nick Cox and Archie Perkins. I just really love following along to what they're doing. And Nick Cox and Harry really have kind of this intuitive sense and way of playing that you just don't expect for such young players, especially Cox and his capabilities of almost like an ambidexterity kicking with both feet and then just immediately like shepherding after the kick and throwing his arms back to block. So watch out for these young guns. I feel like they're going to be the future of the club and I really do think that they're going to be superstars too for Essendon and the AFL. 
Okay, it's intermission, so quickly during this time, let's just cut away to other sports. In soccer, just as in follow-up to what we talked about previously about the European Super League, Manchester United fans actually mounted a protest against U.S. owners in a Premier League match where they invaded the pitch and a whole bunch of spectators just kind of flooded the field. So the match actually had to be postponed. I don't know if you guys saw the picture from that, but I think it would have been a really scary moment for anyone on the field or surrounding the field because there were just so many people like all clustered together. I always fear for that in the AFL, like if anybody's going to just jump over the boundary and kind of like join the players. And in cricket, Warner and some other Aussie cricket players have, are actually stranded in India amid an ongoing crisis, and they've had threats of jail time if they do try to get back home to Australia while the borders are closed. They've actually been told that they are not getting any special treatment. And so they're at the moment just kind of stranded there. I don't know if you guys saw that photo of Warner and another one of his teammates flying to India and they were in full hazmat suits, actually. It was kind of scary. So I'm just wishing them all the best. And I hope that that kind of situation, figuring out where they're going to go gets resolved soon. And in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers has actually stated he doesn't want to play in Green Bay anymore. So that was, I don't know if it's a surprising announcement, but just something that I think was a little bit unexpected. And now we're on to act two, where we have discussions about relevant footy topics and issues, because there's always so many footy topics to discuss. And today we just have three. So one, the interstate matches are kind of their own class of game. And someone actually asked me recently, like what I was referring to when I was talking about the different games and clashes, because I think I mentioned like the Derby previously. So it's a clash that's not date contingent like the Anzac Day game. And it's, as I said, intrastate. So like South Australia, Western Australia, Queensland, and New South Wales have their own personal kind of matches. And all teams actually play each other once. So when the teams meet up, like this weekend, that's when they have a clash. And the derby is between Western Australian teams, West Coast Eagles and Fremantle. And the showdown is actually this weekend. And that's between South Australia teams, Adelaide and Port. So that will be a really good game. The Q Clash is actually Queensland teams, Gold Coast and Brisbane facing off. And the Battle of the Bridge is between Sydney teams, GWS and the Swans. And speaking of clashes too, <laughs> the brutality and the carnage of the sport itself. Um, I know we talk about tough love in the game a lot. And I don't know if you saw, Fife constantly like has a shiner on his face. He's sporting one this week too from the Clash. Joel Selwood is a player from the moment I started watching who typically has like a head wound war bandage during games on his head. And Mitch Robinson last week in the round previously, during the game, he literally had live staples to his face to just kind of hold his eyelid up. I don't know if you guys have seen that photo. It's actually kind of triggering. So, I mean, just a trigger warning for anybody who wants to see that. I think it's actually healing nicely, but... I can't even imagine like the pain threshold he must have because he got so many just around such a sensitive part of his face. 
And I don't know if you ever feel this way, but all of the injuries in AFL games, as I've said, completely remind me of car accident injuries. So it's really not funny, but interesting, I think, when you read about the aftermath. I mean, you see it happening live and you're just like, oh my gosh, that was so brutal. Someone's not walking away from that or something's broken. I just know it. And then you'll read in the aftermath in quotations like, oh, a non-threatening, like non-life-threatening injury or just a minor injury, which is really not indicative indicative of like the severity, I feel, of the injuries themselves, which can often be painful and long-lasting. So um, I don't know if you guys ever feel that way, but just a little sorry for the shutter factor <laughs> this week on the pod. But that just leads me to think of the timeline of an AFL career really for the players and you know I'm always wondering how that like informs or influences or impacts really an athlete's elite career because we know that they play typically quite a bit of the time through an injury but just you know what that means if they've got something that is really serious and in the future because I mean I want these players when they're retired to be able to walk when they're you know even 50 or 60 But the actual lifespan of an AFL player, I think, has kind of been extended. I feel like in the past, um, I think in the late 90s to early 2000s, I think 30 and 31, you're really calling time on your career. And now I know like Fletchy, Dustin Fletcher played till he was 40. He's absolutely an anomaly for the game. And I think Brent Harvey played till he was 38. But I do think that they're finding ways to kind of keep older players going. I don't think you're just done anymore at 31, at least from what I understand and from what I'm seeing on the field too. Um, I think that Toby Green signing that we talked about, you know, that's going till he's 34. So, you know, I want them to play as long as they want to play. We've talked about that quite a bit. So hopefully, you know, we can kind of keep them injury free and their health can be something that we do focus on for just kind of our future enjoyment of seeing our favorite players on field. And on a different note, three, I do think that there needs to be some type of challenge that's implemented in the AFL to question like a penalty or a call during the game. You know, I mean, this must be one of the only sports in the world that don't do this during a match and live. So like in the NFL, a coach, you know, can throw a red flag onto the field, basically in front of a ref. And, you know, they get two of those calls a game. If they do get that call wrong, they lose a timeout. And if they successfully challenge twice, they do get a third challenge in the game. I've never actually seen that before. And obviously there's some limits to what can be challenged, but I do think it's time to implement something like that in the AFL because I think that there are, So many times where crowds can kind of sway a decision for the ump and then you kind of look at the tape afterwards or the umps are just making the wrong call because as we've seen in the Geelong game, the AFL came out and apologized and I feel like there needs to be something more than just something issued in the aftermath. I really feel like in the interim, it can happen during and maybe that's just kind of hopefully something they're working on in the future. I know they need the technology and the the equipment, but they do have the ARC system for that. I feel like 
The replays are getting clearer. So I don't know if this is something you guys want to see. I know it would be probably really difficult to actually execute because the game is so fluid, but I just feel like there's so many things that are actually determining the outcome of the games themselves, especially this season. I feel like there's been three or four games where it could have gone the other way and because of a specific call, teams are losing. So I don't know what you guys think, but let me know. And I do have another question too for you guys. So it's been something that coaches have wanted for a while. This is like just a sidebar. The coaches have wanted to be able to trade during the midseason without player consent. That's not something that happens in the AFL. I mean, you guys know it happens in other sports where they kind of want to pull the trigger for trading without the player's knowledge. And in the interest of fairness to the players, I mean, I think there needs to be some kind of minimum salary threshold for that. Because some of these players are not making, um, you know, all that much. So I'm just wondering if you think that they should be able to do that. Because I know that the game will completely turn on its head and change if that does happen. Um, it's not something that I personally want because I, I don't, again, don't want the AFL to become anything like an American sport. But I'm really curious about your thoughts if you guys want to hit me up. AFL footy obsessed at Gmail and AFL obsessed on Twitter. And now it's the after show with my tips for round eight. So in the Tigers versus the Cats, it's going to be a grand final redux. And I do think the Tigers are going to take this game, but I do hope that the Cats kind of also pull their end too. I know it's going to be a really exciting game. I think that's going to be one to watch. In the Giants versus the Bombers, <laughs> this is my weekly plea for the Bombers, but I'm going to up the dons here. Come on, guys. I feel like you can do this. In the Suns versus the Saints, ooh, this is going to be really tough. This could really go either way. Um, I, I'd really love to see the Saints take this. And in the Kangaroos versus the Pies, I feel like North might get their first win this season so um, don't hate me if you're a pies fan in the d's versus the swans which will also be a game to watch sydney's set to have buddy and dane rampy back for the clash with the d's this weekend and you know that buddy has missed the past couple of games with a bruising on his right knee um so i gosh i don't know i i really would love to see the d's maintain their streak and in the showdown with the Power versus the Crows, I think the Power is going to walk away with this win. In the Hawks versus the Eagles, I think I'm back in the Eagles here. Bulldogs versus Blues, I think the Doggies have got this one. And in the Dockers versus the Lions, I'm going to have to say the Lions. But that's it for me. Thanks again for listening, rating, and subscribing, everyone. Let me know what you think about the upcoming games. And thanks again for just hanging around for the show. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. Check on your friends and neighbors. We'll get through this like we have with footy. I'm virtually hugging you, and we'll talk footy soon.